0: it. The reading is from 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 to 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that no one died for all, uh, that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks very much, Victoria. Can I say uh, right at the start, it's great to see uh, our detachment from the cadet force. And it's good that you're here with us and thank you for what you're doing. You're doing a good thing in this training you're doing. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And thank you to their directing staff for what you do in training them and enabling them. I know there are one or two dads of boys and girls who are also in the detachment. Thank you for your service. We greatly appreciate it. I wonder who or what you were thinking about during the two-minute silence. I think a lot of things during remembrance, but I remember two people in particular, and I'd like to tell you something about them. The first person I remember is Lance Corporal Lewis Williams, 25. Now, I have to tell you at this stage that I served in a Welsh regiment, the Royal Welsh Fusiliers, Uh, And you won't be surprised to hear that in the regiment there were quite a lot of Williamses and Joneses and Hugheses and Davids and Davids, and Evanses. In my company of roughly 100 men when I was a company commander, I had 20 Joneses. So inviting somebody to go and fetch Fusilier Jones was an act of madness. Especially if the man standing in front of you was Fusilier Jones, but he wasn't the one you wanted to talk to. So we numbered soldiers by the last two numbers of their army number. Do you have army numbers? Not yet. You might do one day. Okay, so uh, army number is usually about eight numbers long for soldiers. We, we um, called our soldiers by their last two. So Lance Corporal Lewis Williams was 25. And he was the strongest man I've ever met. He was a bull of a man. He loved digging trenches. And on exercise, he dug his trench in about five minutes flat and then walked around the platoon position looking for people who weren't quite as strong to help them dig theirs. His nickname was Psycho because he was a fanatical boxer and rugby player and never took a backward step in the ring, even when he was up against a better man. And we were on exercise in Canada in 1982. I was a platoon commander and he was a lance corporal in my platoon. And during the course of that exercise, I felt impelled, really, to talk to him about Jesus Christ. And I remember talking to him at a break in our exercise. It was a live fire exercise, so it was all done with live ammunition. And I can't quite remember if I said, we must have a conversation about Jesus, 25. And if I didn't say that, I meant to say it, and I thought it. I can't remember, 1982, it was a while ago. And that was my intent. One hour later, 25 was dead. He was shot in a very unfortunate accident. And all I could do was massage his heart and my platoon sergeant, give him mouth to mouth as his lifeblood drained away. And I deeply regret his passing and that chance I missed to tell him about Jesus. The second person I think about is the Reverend Theodore Bailey Hardy. He started his professional life as a school teacher. Uh, but when he, his wife died in 1914, just at the start of the First World War, he left teaching And joined the church and became the parson of a small church in Cumbria. His daughter was in the army medical service. His son served in the Royal Army Medical Corps in Gallipoli. And he was very keen as a man of the cloth to serve as a chaplain in the army. But because he was 51, he was told he was too old. But by 1916, such was the attrition of chaplains at the front that when he reapplied he was accepted for service as an army chaplain and in August 1916 found himself in France on the Western Front during the Assomme offensive and if you recall during that offensive between July and November 1916 the British incurred over 400,000 casualties and between August 1916 and his death on the 18th of October 1918, the Reverend Theodore Bailey Hardy was awarded the Victoria Cross, the Distinguished Service Order and the Military Cross, the three highest gallantry awards that then existed. He was an extraordinary man. He decided that the only way he could represent Christ to his men was to live with them in the front line, And share their privations. And he was very rarely out of the front line. Even when the battalion to which he was attached. Came out for relief. Very often he stayed in the trenches. And took on caring for the battalion. That came up to take their place. He spent all night in the trenches. Talking to the soldiers. Helping them. Praying with them when they wanted prayer. When the battalion went over the top. He went with them. And then he spent his time saying the prayers for the dead and burying them, sometimes in no man's land and very often under shell fire and rifle fire. And when the attack was over, he would then go out himself alone if necessary to bring back the wounded from no man's land and to care for them, to dress their wounds and to get them back to the dressing station. In October 1917, he was awarded the DSO, And he was awarded that for staying with a soldier not 60 metres from a German machine gun nest whilst that soldier who was buried up to his neck in mud slowly died. And he stayed with him, despite the fact he had also broken his wrist in a previous activity. In December 1917, he was awarded the Military Cross for bringing wounded soldiers back from no man's land under fire. And in April 1918, he was awarded the Victoria Cross, not just for one action. His citation was for action on the 5th of April, and the 25th of April, and the 26th of April, and the 27th of April. Each one of those actions itself would have guaranteed him a Victoria Cross. But he did things every day. Which we would call gallantry. And he called his normal Christian service. And it was perhaps inevitable. And perhaps this was what God had for him most. That he did not survive the war. He was shot in the leg. In the very final weeks of the war. And so depleted was he. So exhausted physically. uh, That he could not survive either the shock of his wounds. Nor the infection that followed. And he died. In October 1918, a few weeks before the end of the war and two days before his 55th birthday. And it seems to me at remembrance that if our remembrance is only for two minutes on a Sunday or for an hour in church on the nearest Sunday to the 11th of November, then our remembrance is inadequate. The Kahima epitaph records that they gave their tomorrow for our today. And the question I think at remembrance that we should all focus on is, is what am I doing with my today such that it is worth that kind of sacrifice? They gave up their future. To help the likes of you and me have a better today. And are we living in that better today? What do I mean by a better today? Here are two very quick examples from my experience. We lost a soldier. We lost quite a few soldiers in Afghanistan. And the mother of that soldier was awarded the Elizabeth Cross in due course. But that man's mates in his platoon took that mum to their hearts. And they went and looked after her. And her family, his brothers and sisters. And she became part of the regiment in an emotional way. And did that alleviate the grief of that mother losing her son? No, not really. And she still grieves to this day. But she gained a lot more sons as a result of their desire to make a difference for her and her family. Second example, that I had the privilege of speaking in 2018 at the memorial service for the relative of a friend who had died that day a 100 years before in 1918. And I spoke on a similar theme. And later on I heard from my friend that two of his relatives who had not spoken to each other for years had been reconciled. This surely is an exemplar Of living a good life in the light of the sacrifice of others. Surely it is. And the Reverend Theodore Bailey Hardy lived that kind of life. But he wasn't a superhuman. He didn't live that that life because he was a greater human being than others. He lived that life because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that had changed him from the inside out. Our reading today said that the love of God compels us and the love of God compelled Theodore Bailey Hardy and people like him to go and serve and to death if necessary. And for him, it was necessary. And this is the kind of service that God calls his people into. We, we heard elsewhere in that reading that God is reconciling people to himself through Jesus Christ, not counting their sins against them. That is God's work to reconcile you and me to himself through Jesus. We are not his by right. We are not his by accident of birth. Nobody is. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God The Bible says, but God has made a way for us in Jesus Christ to come to him. And the church's job, our job as people who follow Jesus, is to be, as Paul called it, ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is an embassy who takes letters, credentials from one kingdom to another kingdom to represent that kingdom. And the Bible says that God has delivered us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have forgiveness of sins and reconciliation. And so as people of the kingdom of God, those who have given their lives to Christ, we are called to be ambassadors to the domain of darkness where those who have not dwell. To urge them To be reconciled to God. This is the essence of our reading today. This is the essence of our Christian service to others. And there is a problem, isn't there? I mean, God loves us more than we could possibly describe or know. But we are separated from Him by our sin. We are sinful people, all of us. We have a sinful nature. And we see it all around us, don't we? We see it in politics. We see it in economics. We see it in our society, in our culture. We see it in the failing of the environment. And yes, some of the answers to our problems are political. And some are economic. And some are cultural and social. And some are environmental, as we've been listening to over the last two weeks up in Glasgow. But underpinning all those problems and fundamental to them is the fact that we have a bigger problem, and it's a spiritual problem. And it's the fact that we are cut off from God. We are separated from him, the Bible says. And in that separated state, we run the risk of going to eternity without him, to be judged by him for our sin, for the things that we have done wrong, for the things that we are as sinful people. So you might say to me, well, Roddy, if God loves me so much... What's he done about it? Is he going to leave me in this state? Or surely he could clear it up. And God could have walked out on us. But he hasn't and he didn't. Because he has made a way for us to return and be reconciled to him. And to enjoy for eternity the love and joy that he has for us. And that way is the Lord Jesus Christ who walked on this earth, who showed us the kingdom of God, who healed the sick and the lame and the blind, who raised the dead, and then who died on the cross for our sins, whose blood was shed for us, for you and for me, that we might be reconciled to God. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave us his son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but should have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so we have a choice. This is not an academic exercise. This is not some irrelevant theological excursion. This is the most important existential question we shall ever face in our lives, and it is what have we done with Jesus Christ? Have we responded to his sacrifice in faith, and believed in him, or have we rejected him? There's only one way you can answer that question. It's one way or the other. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. That means one is made right with God because of what Jesus has done. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that is what Jesus has done for us all. And so the likes of Theodore Bailey Hardy preached that message in the most dire of circumstances. And some responded and some didn't. But the message was preached and people had the opportunity to see the state they were in. And to respond to the offer of salvation that Jesus gives us. And that is the role of the church, the role of you and me who believe in Jesus, in seeking as ambassadors to reconcile people to God in Christ. And so, if you are here this morning and you do not believe in Jesus Christ, I don't mean an intellectual assent that he existed as a historical figure. I do mean believing and putting your trust in him like a drowning man clings to a rock or to a life raft. Believing in that sense that without clinging to him, we are doomed for eternity. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. You will be saved. And if you are in that state of not knowing where you stand in relation to salvation, then Jesus Christ can come through for you and make you a different person. And clean you from the inside out. So that you too can do works like Theodore Bailey Hardy. And so Paul in this letter urges, urges us to be reconciled to God. I didn't have the chance to give that message to Corporal Lewis Williams, 25. He died before I could. But I do have this opportunity to give this message to you. And so the question we have is, will you respond to Jesus? And if you love him already... Will you be his ambassador and go forth and reconcile others to Jesus Christ while we have the chance in this life? Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your love for us that stirs the hearts of men and women to love you and serve you. Thank you that you have reconciled the world to yourself in your son. Thank you that you have made a way for us to know you. To be cleansed from our sinfulness. To be made just in your sight. And to be reconciled to you. And it is through the blood of your son. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to serve you, those who love you. And for those who don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray this prayer. If you want to know Jesus Christ for yourself, you pray this prayer quietly in your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you have saved me for eternity by your death on the cross. I want to be a child of God. I want to. To be saved by you. And so I come to you today. I confess my sin before you. And I ask you to cleanse me. And to save me. And to draw me to God in reconciliation. For Jesus' sake. Amen.